And good morning, everyone. It's good to be back in GCA again. And I'm always grateful for Pastor Jim inviting me to stand and feed his flock. Amen. And I'm sure you're praying for him in his, in, in his travels. And I, I'm, I'm just grateful to always come this way and to see you all and to love and to be loved on. It's good to come this way. And I, I'm just grateful every time I get the opportunity. As Tom was saying, I'm sure we're all praying for everybody who doesn't have weather as nice as we've had it in the past week or the past, I guess, the past three or four weeks somewhere you know, there's been there's been trouble. Maybe this is my warped mind going the way it goes, but I was thinking of, you know, all the not not that the devastation isn't bad. Don't get me wrong. Don't misunderstand me. That's not what I'm saying at all. But uh, I started thinking about how many people in the world would love to have that problem of losing a boat mm-hmm. or a car, you know, mm-hmm. or Losing a shelter. And there are many people who don't have places to live on a daily basis. You know, so uh, we are indeed blessed. We are. we are indeed blessed. And I hope um, this morning to remind us of how blessed we are from the scripture and, and, and what God has done for us and all. And I Thank my brother for coming, uh, Tony Patterson, and y'all know Faye. That's Faye made it this time. She's not working. She's not nursing. She's with me. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Ironically, I had to leave again to go back to Huntsville to play for the choir that I played for at the exact same church that I went to last time I was here. So, so, and that they, what happened is uh, they were without a pastor, and they called a pastor, and they have the installation service this afternoon, and I didn't know about that till two weeks ago. Anyway, we'll go on and do what we have to do. Amen? Let's pray. We thank you, Father, for the day. We thank you, Lord, for this hour of preaching, and we pray, Lord, that you bless your people to receive what you've given me to give to them, Lord, and you bless us all with the presence of your Holy Spirit, Lord, for me to to preach it and for them to receive it, Lord. We thank you for what you've done for us. We pray for Pastor Jim and in his travels, Lord, that you bring them both back safely, Lord, and and then stand them here once again to proclaim your gospel. We thank you, Father, for how you will glorify yourself today, for you are worthy of all our praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Second Chronicles, the 30th chapter. Second Chronicles 30. I'm going to read verse 1 and skip around and read some others uh, so we can get the gist of the whole chapter. Second Chronicles 30 and 1 says, And Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and wrote letters to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should Come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover unto the Lord God of Israel. And then down to verse 6. So the post went with the letters from the king and his princes throughout all of Israel and Judah. And according to the command of the king, saying, Ye children of Israel, turn again unto the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, and he will return to the remnant of you that are escaped out of the hand of the king of Assyria. 
And be not like your fathers and like your brethren who trespass against the Lord God of their fathers, who therefore gave them up to desolation as ye see. Now, be ye not stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord and enter into, uh, into his sanctuary, which he has sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. For if ye turn again unto the Lord, your brethren and your children shall find compassion before them that led them captives, so that they should come again into this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return unto him. So the post passed from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh and even to Zebulun, but they laughed them to scorn and mocked them. Nevertheless, Asher, Manasseh, and Zebulun humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. Also Judah, the hand of God was to give them one heart to do the commandment of the king and of the prince by the word of the Lord. And there assembled in Jerusalem much people to keep the feast of the unleavened bread in the second month a very great congregation. And then down verse 17 through 20. For there were many in the congregation that were not sanctified. Therefore the Levites had the charge of killing the Passover for everyone that was not clean to sanctify them unto the Lord. So a multitude of the people, even from Ephraim and Manasseh and Issachar and Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves, uh, yet did they eat the Passover otherwise than it was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, The good Lord pardons everyone that prepareth his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, and though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary, and the Lord hearkened to Hezekiah and healed the people. Amen. Amen. I want to uh, preach this morning about a call to remember. A call to remember. And if you want, uh, if you want a little subtitle or whatever is, you can call it a, a grace clause. If you want to put that in there too. First of all, there are in life, there are Things that ought not be forgotten. God has blessed us. We should make it part of our personal history and that, that these special events and peoples associated with them that God uses to shape our lives and make us who we are today. And when I say remember, I don't mean remember just for the sake of remember. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about remembering with uh, deeds of praise and worship to God for uh, whom all blessings flow. A child ought to remember Mother's Day. Amen. Amen. Husband and wife ought to remember their wedding anniversary and thanking God for each other. Uh, parents ought to remember their children's birthday. And, 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 and matter of fact, isn't the day Grandparents' Day? Yeah, I'm a grandparent, so if anybody wants to, you know, just if you got any gifts, I'll take them. <laughs> uh, always after gifts. Love gifts. Okay. 
that teacher that uh, took a, a liking to you in school and, and helped you to those, through those rough days, you know, that, that, that special one, that, that one that you think about even now and you wonder how uh, him or her, how they're doing. You just, uh, uh, th- those type people. We ought to, uh, pastors, pastors ought to uh, be thankful for the flock. The flock ought to be thankful for the pastor, for, for, for God sending you a good pastor who, who teaches you the word and, and, and will tell you when you're wrong and, and, and encourage you in the way of the Lord. And, and, and then surely we ought to always remember the day the Lord quickened us from the dead with his Holy Spirit and we heard the gospel for the first time. But in all this, I say we ought to. And ought carries with it a sense of incompletion of that which is naturally it's expected or the logical conclusion of the thing. If, if, I, put, if I put flour and uh, uh, he's a cake baker. You tell me if, he, if you want good cake, see that brother right there? <laughs> he makes the best cake. In the, his cake is so good, my mother-in-law, who's an excellent cake baker, said, that's some good cake. Now, that's good cake. So tell me if I get this right. You get, you get flour and sugar and eggs, milk, and what else? A little butter. Yeah, you got to have butter. I'm a Paula Dean freak. Yeah, you got to have butter. And butter. And you put it in a bowl. You mix it up and everything. And you put it in the oven. Logically, if everything goes right, in an hour or so, I should have a cake. If everything goes right. Because all the ingredients are there. But if you come ask me after it's in the oven uh, uh, 15 minutes later, you know, uh, when does cake get ready? I'll say, I'll say it ought to be done in about 45 minutes, which means it's not done. The alt says it's not ready yet, but it's going to be in a matter of time. So, so when I say we ought to do these things, that, that's the sense it carries with it, that uh, a lot of times we aren't doing all that we should be doing and giving praise to God for the things he's done in our lives. Amen. In our text this morning. King Hezekiah calls for both the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel to come to Jerusalem to do what they ought to do. To remember the password, that blessed pitch black night in Egypt when God sent his final plague upon the land, the death of the firstborn. God told them to take a lamb, a sled, and sprinkle the blood on the doorpost, roast and eat it, and be ready to go. He says it this way. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And then he told him, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial. You shall keep this feast of the Lord through your generation. You shall keep it as a feast by an ordinance forever. To put in today's language, God says you, you, you ought to always remember the day I delivered you from Egypt. And to do so, I'm setting up Passover. I, I, I always say if there are two things. If, if, if you, you forget about anything else of, of Israel history or what, whatever, two things I know that happened. That night, there was a plague of death. 
at that night there was a Passover. It, otherwise, it would be like us celebrating the 4th of July and we're still under British rule. Right? <laughs> what, what, what point is that? We lost the war. So in Israel celebrating the Passover, it says for certain for me that God did deliver them from Egypt. The other thing is the disciples and their boldness after the resurrection. You're talking about guys who fish for a living. You know, in, in, in our fickle society, a guy runs for office and uh, we find out something about and we're quick to dump him, right? So you got Jesus. He, he's been crucified. And all you know is that, hey, we, uh, as, as, they, as the scripture says, the two of the major roles said, we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one and, and not knowing that he was risen at the time. And so with that knowing and that pain and that anguish and to come back and proclaim blamely, willing to die for the fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and is in the Lord. That says to me that that's true. I know it's true, but I know it's true. Does that make sense? <laughs> okay. But Israel, Israel wasn't doing what they should do, they ought to be doing. Israel, the northern kingdom, had uh, they were being captive, and uh, King Hosea, who was according to Scripture, he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but not like the king of Israel who preceded him. And in Judah, the southern kingdom had been under the reign of Ahaz. The Scripture says of him, he did not that which was right in the sight of the Lord his God, like David his father, but he walked in the ways of the king of Israel and made his sons pass through fire according to the abomination of the heathen whom the Lord cast out from before the children of Israel, and he sacrificed and burned incense in the high places and on the hills and under every green tree. That's 2 Kings 16, 2 and 4. Then he, he got in trouble with the Edomites, and he took some of the temple furnishings and, and sent it to the king of Assyria, uh, hoping to, to, you know, to help and make a deal, but it, it didn't help at all. And as times got rougher, Ahaz became even more unfaithful. So he finally gathered up all the furnishings of the temple of God and, and took them away and shut the doors of the temple and, and, and then set up temples of worship on practically every street corner in Jerusalem. But then after Ahaz died, Hezekiah, his son, succeeds him to the throne. He becomes king at the age of 25. And the Bible says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. And the Bible says that in the first month, the first year of his, reign, of his reign, he reopened the doors of the temple of the Lord that his daddy had closed in order, in order the Levites and the priests to consecrate themselves in the temple and to remove all defilement from the sanctuary. And it took him about 16 days to do it. And then on the 17th day, uh, Hezekiah restored worship to the temple and Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced at the, what God had brought about to his people because it was done so quickly. But there was a problem. There was a problem in there getting the temple ready and everything. They missed the real actual time to celebrate Passover. Hezekiah knew God had blessed them and, uh, and that the Lord's Passover ought to be celebrated. He knew that Israel knew that they ought to remember what the Lord had done for them. You know, you know how you, you have your good days when it like, looks like God is shining particularly on you. You know, you know, what, you know that feeling and you're having a good day and everything. And then, and then somebody comes along and just take that little pen just to 
restrict your bubble a little bit. That's, that's where Israel was. They were excited that uh, worship had returned to the temple and, and that Hezekiah was a good king. And just to only have their hope sort of dashed because they couldn't celebrate the Passover like they should have. And but I, I say to that, I, I hope that uh, we are all, as the scripture says, glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. I hope coming to GCA, coming to wherever you'll be attending, come, coming to church isn't a burdening thing to you. I hope you enjoy coming here. I, I, I hope you're excited. I, I, always, I always tell people that my, my week starts on Sunday. Stop starting your week on Monday. Don't do that, okay? Stop starting. Okay, my week starts on Monday. I got to get up. I got to go. I've got to meet the man in the morning. Start your week on Sunday like the calendar does. Start it on Sunday in the house of the Lord, worshiping and praising him. Amen. That's how you should start your week. Maybe that's why you don't have a better week than you do have, you know? Stop thinking of Sunday as the last day of the weekend and start thinking of it as the first day of the week. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, but, but, but the good news about, about this problem, about this problem is God set it up. You do it the first month, the first month, the first year, just because this is when you came out of Egypt. But, but in the law, God made provision. He says in Numbers 99, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speaking to the children of Israel, saying, if any man of you or of your posterity shall be unclean by reason of a dead body or a journey and afar off, yet he shall keep the Passover unto the Lord the day of the second month, and even they shall keep it and eat the unleavened bread and the bitter and the bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until the morning nor break any bones of it according to all the ordinance of the Passover that shall keep it. So what's happened? God has put a grace clause in his law. Uh, we like grace clauses, right? You know, I don't know about you, but uh, for some reason, car insurance sneaks up on us. <laughs> you know, uh, you know that six-month thing. You, you know, and and, and it, it gets down, and and then that... Last little bit, they say, okay, your, uh, your policy is about to expire, but we'll give you a little time to renew it and all. Uh, so, so that's what God has done in his law as far as the Passover is concerned. He's put a grace clause that if you can't do it the first month because uh, you deal with a dead family member or something like that, you own a Ford trip or something like that, if you can't do it the first month, you can do it the second month. So with that, Hezekiah tells us, hey, we, 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 can, we can hold the Passover. We can do it the second month according to the law and still be lawful. Let me say this about that. If you truly have a desire to praise the Lord, to worship the Lord, God will... Make a way for you. That's the only way I can say that. You know, uh, uh, whatever is going on, he'll make a grace clause for you. 
you, you really want to get there. You, you, you have a desire to be GCA and it's just not working out. And you, you, I've got to work. I've got to do this. I've got to do that. But somehow, if your heart is sincere and, and you really want to do it, you say, I got a feeling God will work a grace clause somewhere and you'll get a call from somebody saying, you know what? We don't need you right now. <laughs> or, or, or something like that. You know, some, some kind of way. If, if you really want to worship, if you went on to praise, God will make sure you have opportunity to do so. So Hezekiah was so happy that they could celebrate the Passover that he, he sends messengers out to, throughout the land, um, both the northern and southern kingdoms, telling them they ought to come to Jerusalem and celebrate the Passover. For, forgetting about the differences, forgetting about the things that divided them in the past. Hezekiah says it is a Passover unto the Lord for Israel as a whole. Let, let's come back together. Let's do this thing like we ought to have been doing it. So Hezekiah dispatched the carriers with the letters from the kings. And, and the letters remind Israel and, and us of why we ought to remember the Lord. So I want to get to, to his letter and discover some things that we ought to remember the Lord for, things we shouldn't forget. Then we can go home and I can get on the road and, and we'll go on from there. <laughs> Firstly, in verse 6, Hezekiah says, tells Israel, they ought to remember the Lord and celebrate the Passover because of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The great I am is their God, and they are his people chosen out of all the nations of the world that God could have chosen to bear his name. He chose Israel to do that. He said, you ought, to, you ought to come celebrate Passover. You ought to come remember that the God of the universe is your God. He's your God. He's your God. You are his people. He, he didn't have to bless you. He didn't have to take Abraham. He could have taken somebody else. But the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is your God. And beloved, he's our God as well. He hadn't changed. That's right. He's the same God. The same God. And, and we ought to remember that that God, that ruler of the universe, the sovereign one, is our God, is our heavenly father. And if that don't get your juices flowing, it's like, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> you know, the God of the universe, you've heard me say this before, that he cares about little old me. You know, out of all he could be doing, uh, uh, making a son, uh, you know, make, making another universe. But, but he hears my prayer. He knows my name. He knows your name, beloved. That's a reason to celebrate. Secondly, in verse 6 also, Hezekiah says to Israel that they should celebrate the Passover because though had they had turned from following uh, the Lord, and God, as I mentioned earlier, he allowed most of the northern kingdom to go into captivity, yet he was merciful still and left a remnant that escaped out of the hands of the Assyria. He didn't totally wipe him out when he could have. And that's grace, pure and simple. Uh, uh, you wonder why we're here today. It's grace that we made it out of the garden. That's, right. that's what I'm talking about. Okay. That when God came down in the cool of the day, that he didn't wipe out Adam and Eve, but he showed them grace and mercy. And no, not, not, and, and I know we live in, in, in perilous times and, and churches aren't as crowded as, as they used to. But beloved, thank God for the remnant. 
You know, thank God that, that, that there are those of us who still believe that God is the God of the universe and that through his son, Jesus Christ, he's purchased our salvation and he's interceding for us right now and coming back for us. That, that, there are a few of us who still believe that. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So we have to thank God for that. Then verse 6 and 7, Hezekiah tells Israel to come celebrate the Passover because you know and you can see what happened to the fathers and the brothers for their trespassing against God. They, they, they were stiff-necked and unsubmissive, and the Lord gave them up to a desolation. And I guess this is, yeah, it is a celebration. I was going to say it may not so much celebration as, as reverence, but yet it's celebration in that we know for sure that God will deal with sin. Let me say it that way, okay? That whatever going, whatever's attacking you in your life, that you know that ultimately it's going to be over. It's going to be over. Uh, he, he said, yeah, you ought to remember what God did to your fathers and your brothers and, and, and sisters for, for their disobedience. He puts that in the letter. And, and in other words, uh, yes, God is loving. Yes, Jesus is love. You know, Lauren and Richie wrote a nice song about it. Jesus is love. You know, believe me, I sing a whole lot better than that. Yeah. Right. But but the, the fact is, love is not his chief attribute. Amen? Amen. God is holy. God is holy. Love is a great attribute. I'm glad he loves me. I'm sure you're glad he loves you. But God is holy. And under that holiness is love, mercy, and justice. And we must remember that uh, while we, while we, you know, some folk have this, this God who doesn't uh, do anything to anybody, who doesn't harm anybody, uh, uh, who doesn't punish sin, we must remember that God is a God of justice as well. And I always say it this way, we, grace is not eternal. We experience the, the grace of an e- eternal God. There's a difference. For the believer, no problem. But grace itself is not an eternal. God is eternal. And one day when he comes back, there will be no grace. It will be justice. And Hezekiah tells Israel, said, y'all need to come on back <laughs> and celebrate the Passover because, first of all, you know what he did to mom and daddy for not doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I said, if I, if, if I had a little bit of sense, I'd head to Jerusalem. And beloved, we must remember, uh, it's a call to remember the nature of God that first he is holy. He is. That he is holy. Everything comes from that. Then, in verse 8, Hezekiah tells him, he said, come remember the Lord because this temple has been remembered, the temple has been restored, the doors have been opened, and uh, he says, come because this is his sanctuary. This is the one he sanctified forever, and he, he ought to be remembered here. He ought to be served here. Uh, that is the uh, the only way in the scripture says for for them to get back God off their backs in a sense. You know, you 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 need to come do this. At, at, this is the only way to to stem the tide, to, to rid yourself of the fierceness of His wrath. The Hezekiah tell them, beloved, we must remember Christ in Christ. Does that make sense? 
We must remember him in him. It's, it's, it's hard to get this thing right if you're not a part of the body. We, we must praise God in Christ. We must, we must serve God in Christ. That's the only haven a sinner has. That's the only city of refuge he has is in Christ. And yes, I'm equating this, that sanctuary which where God dwells. I'm, I'm equating that with Christ. Yes, that, that is our only sanctuary. That is our only refuge, Christ. You can sing all you want to, you can preach and teach all you want to, pray all you want to, give all the money you want to, but it means nothing if you're not in Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. And we have so many people who, who you know, who are going to be so disappointed because I, I, I'm giving money to the Red Cross, but I'm not giving money to the Red Cross to get points with God. First of all, it's not going to do any good, right? <laughs> right? That has nothing to do with salvation. But many people think that because I'm sending hurricane relief to, uh, to Houston and, and going to send some to Florida and wherever else, that God's going to look down and say, well, what a good boy, what a good girl he is. You know what? Because he gave $10 to, uh, actually, he gave 20 He gave 10 to Harvey and 10 to Urban. They say, because he gave $20, he gets to come to glory. Beloved, that's not going to happen. Only refuge is in Christ. It's in Christ. And then this one is interesting. He says, fifthly, remember the Passover because he'll make their enemies leave them alone. The text says they will have compassion. They said that their enemy will have compassion on their families and even bring you back home. Beloved, God has been good to our families. Uh, mothers and fathers, they pray night and day, Lord, bless my child, bless my children. And the, the children who don't realize their soul have been held captive by that old arch enemy, the Satan. Uh, others cry, Lord, have mercy on my sister or my brother. Uh, sin is holding them captive. And then one day, one day when you least expect it, the word of God cuts through those chains of bondage. And God, God tells Satan to leave them alone and, and, the, and their mind. And, and, and Satan is duty bound to do so because Satan is God's devil. You heard that said before, right? He's got to let him go. If God says, Satan, leave him alone, they He's got to leave them alone. And so after all that bondage, after all that praying, and you, you see them in bondage. You know that what is needed is a relationship with Christ. And after all that, the bonds are cut, the chains are cut, and here they come to Christ. He ought to be remembered for that. That just as he's done for you, he'll do for them. Elder Ward used to say it this way. He used to say, he'll make your enemies bring you ham. Elder <laughs> used to say that. He said, "Don't." He said, "I don't like you, but here, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> you you need to eat, and you don't know why." The, God will make your enemies leave you alone. Amen. He'll do that. Uh, and you won't understand it. You understand, you know what what's going on. But beloved, God does that. He takes those chains of slavery to sin and he cuts them and breaks them and brings them to himself. Hezekiah said he ought to be remembered. He ought to be remembered that. Then Hezekiah says, come to celebrate the Passover. He said, come remember the Lord 
simply because you can. He said, if you truly turn to him, if you come to him, uh, and he will not turn away uh, his face from you, for the Lord your God is gracious and merciful. He, he accepts your praise. If you, you know, just turn and come. Came and come to him, Isaiah puts it this way. Seek ye the Lord while I may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thought. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. <coughs> In Hebrews, the writer says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Beloved, as the guy said, come if you can come. Now, that's not a sovereign grace statement. I never made one in my life. If you can come, come. Because if you can come, that means, first of all, the Father has drawn you, right? That, he, that, that you've been quickened already from the dead, right? The dead man don't walk unless you believe in the zombie nation and all this stuff. That, and I don't, but the, okay. But he has to quicken you, and, and then you have to hear his call. And that is the only way you can come. So if you can come, if you can come to Christ, come to Christ. There is eternity behind your coming. There, there is you been chosen before the foundation of the world in your coming to him at this time. So Hezekiah says, if you can come, come. And it's if you, in, in Israel's case, if you return to him, come back to him and he won't turn his face from you. Jesus says it's the way I will in no wise cast you out. No matter what's going on, I, I know, I know how we, we get sometime with, you know, we think that surely, you know, man, I've done some bad stuff in my life. I've done some awful things. And, and surely, if God knows everything, he knows everything I've done. There's no way, if I was God, that I would save me. <laughs> but God is God. And what you don't know is, even though you, 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 we've all, beloved, we've all got stuff in our lives. It comes to believing that God truly is the sovereign ruler of the universe. Yes, you are responsible for your actions, but don't you think for a minute that you've done anything in your life outside of the sovereign will of God? Just didn't happen. Not going to happen. Whatever it is in your life, God used that in his, through his providence to bring you to the point you are in your life. So Hezekiah said, if you can come, come on. But that's some sad news, y'all. After all the letters went out, Hezekiah tells Israel why they should come celebrate the Passover. The scripture says they mocked, they scorned, and laughed at the post. They laughed at the man with the message. I've just said it several times. A sinner needs Christ. You need to come to Christ. And, and, and if you don't come to Christ, ultimately you will face the judgment and the wrath of God. 
and and what the men and women do, what boys and girls do, they laugh at us and say, "Man, you crazy." You know, I don't believe in no God and all that, all that stuff. You know, I'm first expression of the existentialist. Uh, live for today, for tomorrow you but die. That's saying that there's no afterlife, there's no God, there's nothing beyond the grave. So if uh, if I'm I, I will do what I want to do now, you know, treat anybody any way I want to, act any way I want to, and live any kind of lifestyle I want to live, simply because there's nobody to answer to in the long run. And that's the society we live in. We live in a society that don't, don't want God. We, do, we don't want to be responsible. I, I, sometimes political correctness gets to me. It, it drives me crazy sometimes, you know. Uh, just, just the fact to say that, that, that God will judge. It's a, God's going to judge? No. He's a God of love, you know. And then everybody get on Facebook or wherever else and ridicule the person who said that, even though he's told the truth. You know, and, and then that man can't go buy a loaf of bread. You know, they laughed at the message that said, "Come celebrate the Passover because God is a God who should be praised." And they say, "Man, we've been down that road before, and look where it got us. Here we are. You know, the kingdom's divided. Y'all got a king. We got a king. You know, you know, what what good is it going to do?" And not realizing that maybe the things are happening the way they're happening because you haven't done what you're supposed to do. Let me go back and say, because you hadn't done what you ought to do. Okay? <laughs> I had, had to get my word in there. <laughs> so, he says, come celebrate just because you can. Then, he says, we ought to remember the Lord in verse 17 and 18. As many in congregation did, the text says that they were not sanctified. There in verse 18, it says, for a multitude of the people, even many of the uh, uh, Ephraim and Manasseh and Issachar and Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves. And yet they ate the Passover contrary to what was written uh, in the rules of the sanctuary. And what happened? These, these people had come, and even though it was a month later and... Uh, they were able to celebrate. Still, people came, but they hadn't cleansed themselves yet according to the rules of sanctuary because they were unclean. So they were there. They were willing to. They were excited about, but because of who they were, they, were, they hadn't sanctified themselves. And so, but they wanted to do it. So, uh, beloved, again, we ought not let anything keep us from remembering the Lord our God. Unclean, you're unclean, I'm unclean, uh, the, uh, most of us unclean. Uh, if you're saved, you're a saved sinner. As uh, an old preacher said in Oak Ridge, you, you are uh, a saint, which is a saved ain't. Yeah. Right? Uh, ain't with an S on it. Right? We are nothing. We are nothing, beloved. And oftentimes in this life, stuff comes at you, and, and, and you're reminded of your old nature. You're reminded of your uncleanliness. You, you, you're reminded of those things. But beloved, just because we are, that doesn't stop God one eye older from being a good God. Amen? Amen? He's good even to the unrepentant sinner. God is good regardless of how I feel on the day. 
And that ought to encourage you knowing that, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm low down, I'm rotten, I'm dirty, but God, he's still a good God. And we ought to remember that. We ought to remember that, that even, even in our cleanliness, uh, on our way to sin, God is good. In sin, God is good. On our way from sin, God is still good. It doesn't matter about us. God is a good God. He's a good God. And he's worthy of all our worship and our praise. So, the, the text says, if you notice, it says they still ate the Passover. Right? They were unclean, but they still ate the Passover. So how is this possible? The text says that the Levites had the charge of killing of the Passover for everyone that was not clean to sanctify them unto the Lord. And that the king prayed for them, saying, the good Lord pardon everyone that prepared his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though he be not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. In other words, what they couldn't do in the purification of themselves, in the sacrifice of the lamb for themselves, it was done for them. What they couldn't do for themselves was done by another. The lamb was slain for them by another and on their behalf. And, and, and somebody uh, interceded in their behalf that they might partake of the Lord's Supper. None other than the king himself. And the text says, The Lord hearkened unto Hezekiah and heard and healed the people. So why are we to remember the Lord why are we to thank him? Why are we to praise his name? Why are we to worship him in spite of ourselves? And why are we to, uh, not ought to uh, say anything, uh, let anything hinder us from, from giving him glory? Well, because the Lamb of God, the true Lamb of God, the true Paschal Lamb of God has been slain in our behalf, beloved. He's been wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity, and it didn't just happen. It was done from the foundation of the world. I've been washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, uh, uh, the lamb without spot and blemish, and, without, and, and who before the foundation was slain, but manifested in our time for us on a hill called Calvary, on an old rugged cross, and with a crown of thorn on his head. And, and he died, beloved, for me. He died for me. And by him, Jesus, I do believe in God that the, he raised him from the dead. And gave him glory and honor and set him on the right hand of the Father, and that he might be the first of many brethren. And now, beloved, he sits with power. He sits with power. He intercedes for me. You remember when uh, the other Judah was due to be king, and he says there was there those to accuse. You know, the, the, the statement was, uh, you know, he's not clinging either. There is those to accuse. Beloved, right now, I promise you, if, if there's any way possible, Satan is telling God, you know, he ain't worthy. Let me have him, you know. That, that, that joker is a joker. As bad as I am, I don't trust him. 
You know, you know, it's, you know it, uh, he, he, he's there to accuse the brethren. That's Satan's job, beloved. But beloved, yes, we are, and we're probably worse than what even Satan can think, but God has substituted for us his own dear son, the Paschal Lamb of God. He has come and died for us. We're washed in his blood, and we are made clean. We are made clean by the blood of Christ. No, I couldn't have done it myself. There's nothing I could have done, nothing that would work. Uh, uh, the price was too costly. I could not pay the price for, my, for, for one of my sins. And notice I said sins. That, that's, and if I could pay for the sin, I still have the sin nature, which means because I am the sinner I am, I could not get payment to the one who needs payment because his, he is holy and he cannot abide in the presence of sinners. What am I to do? I, I, if I had it to pay, I still couldn't pay it because I was unclean. But I was unclean. I didn't have it to pay. And thank God for Jesus Christ. Thank God that Jesus in that in that high priestly role, and that that's that's where all those things come together. He's the high priest who sacrificed himself for us because we couldn't do it for ourselves. He's our God, beloved. Hezekiah said, We ought to remember the Lord. I say to you, we ought to remember the Lord. We ought to remember Jesus. And anything else I said you may have forgotten, remember, remember that to remember to praise God and remember that even on your worst day, there's a hope, you know, that whatever's going on in your life, that God can make it all right. And ultimately, he will make it all right. Amen. 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 God bless you this morning. On behalf of everyone at Grace Christian Assembly, we thank you for listening to this week's Salvation by Grace message. Remember to visit us on the Internet at www.salvationbygrace.org. And we invite you to join us next time when we gather around the Word and study the sovereign grace of God.